Welcome to the show. We have Jake Steiner. He's a semi-retired stock trader and investor. His personal passion is understanding human eyesight, and he spent the past 20 years in vision biology science, exploring nearsightedness prevention and reversal methods. Jake hosts the web's largest vision improvement community with many tens of thousands of participants and has written over 1,200 articles on vision biology and myopia control. Today, we'll be talking about nearsightedness and the possibility it may be reversed. This is a great episode, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Kakatibi Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Jake. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thanks for having me, Kat. Appreciate it. So before we begin, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're so passionate about eyesight. So I started having bad eyesight when I was about 12. My parents took me to the optometrist and they said I need glasses. And I went from being an outdoor playing sports kid to turning into an introvert nerd. And my eyes just got worse and worse and worse till I ended up with Minus five doctor glasses in my early 20s. Uh, went back to the optometrist. Optometrist said, you need stronger glasses. At that point, I asked why, because I was an analyst stock trader and asking why is kind of natural. And they said it's genetic. And that seemed unacceptable. So I went to libraries at the time, since that was kind of before internet. And I found out that myopia, short-sightedness or nearsightedness is not genetic at all, actually. And there's a $100 billion industry profiting from people not knowing and profiting from people not understanding how much bad eyesight affects the rest of their life. And that kind of kicked off a journey that's been 20 years now. And there's a pretty big community of people that fix their eyes and don't need glasses. So can you tell us a little bit about why is it not genetic and why is it that they tell us it's genetic? So, okay, kind of weird in that when you go to a retail shop that sells glasses, you get a super different answer than if you go to the same people, optometry and ophthalmology, but the academia side. So the people that research this, the people that write the studies and the papers understand it fine, but the people who sell you glasses don't. And it's super weird because when I first found this, so the the short version is, your nearsightedness is caused by strain. Close-up strain makes you think you have bad eyesight. There's a muscle in your eye that muscle basically locks up from too much close-up use. The optometrist tells you you need glasses, but it's a muscle spasm. The odd thing when I found this was it was a weird... I wasn't into... That was before the internet, right? And I was not into alternative health stuff. I didn't know. I trusted the mainstream. And I'm like, why... In academia, it says my nearsightedness was a muscle spasm, and this guy says it's genetic. And no clear answer other than when I went back and asked those guys, when I started finding all this, I got kicked out of one office, actually, even though I was polite. (laughs) And there's no clear answer other than it seems that the people who sell you glasses are possibly really motivated by the huge profit margins of doing so. And why do we need glasses? What do they do? So 
when you were young, you probably didn't need glasses. There was a time in your life where you're seeing fine. And that was probably somewhere around when you started going to school and studying more seriously. The younger you are, the more it's screens. But for most people, it's still studying in school started the whole thing. You're squinting. Your parents took you to the optometrist. And then they said you needed glasses. And the muscle that controls your focus is relaxed when you look at a distance and is tight when you look at something up close. It's It bulges the lens in your eye for close-up focus. And the longer you keep that muscle tight, the more likely it is to just get stuck in that mode, right? And you can either overcome that by not spending time up close for a while, like days or longer possibly, or doing a lot less, or you just start wearing glasses that compensate for that muscle spasm. So you're ignoring the actual problem. The lenses move the light further back in your eye. You have instant clear distance vision, but at the price of now you need those things and you're going to need stronger and stronger ones over time. Okay. Is that the same thing? Like, let's say you can walk fine. Maybe you're a little slow, but you get a wheelchair and now you're not using your legs. And over time, they atrophy more and more because you're not using them. It's similar, except glasses are more awesome if you're selling glasses because you only need one wheelchair. They can't sell you another one. But with glasses, every time you go back there a year or two later, you're likely to get stronger ones. So it's a it's a recurring money-making business where you just get stronger and stronger glasses because after a year or two of wearing them, they're not as clear anymore as they were. So they can always go, uh, add a little bit more to it. And if you're listening to this and you're wearing glasses, it's very likely that you're not on your first pair or your first diopter amount. Mm. So they tell you if you don't wear the glasses, you'll get glaucoma, cataracts, or even go blind. Is there truth to that? No, I'm going to say no. And anybody who asks you that, ask them for any kind of science that backs that up. Because the cataracts, is a, you have to be older for most people generally. And the causes are unknown, but they're certainly, they're unknown. So they're not including myopia leads to that. Um, glaucoma has various causes. Again, I'm not a, an eye doctor. I just reversed my myopia. But the likelihood that not wearing glasses that correct nearsightedness leads to those kinds of medical complications, I'm not aware of any science that supports that. I think that's the same kind of scare tactics that they use to tell you to wear the glasses all the time, which actually makes you more dependent on them than if you took them off when you didn't need them. And how can we find out who's telling the truth? Like, what do we do? Where should we look for studies? Who should we be talking to? So trust, I think it's a weird thing, right? Like, because I used to, my parents are both medical doctors. I had a trust in a title, right? Like you went to school, you know what you're doing. Today, it's kind of weird because don't trust me, right? Like we have a big resource, big website, but I joke a lot being the last eye guru, which is obviously not the case, but I'm trying to make the point, don't trust, do a little bit of research. And my favorite resource, scholar.google.com, Google search engine just for clinical research and peer-reviewed science. So whenever you hear a crazy person on the internet saying, you don't need glasses, you have great eyes and you can, can recover your vision, instead of going, can I trust this person? right? Or do I trust the optometrist? I always say, don't trust anybody. 
go to Google Scholar and see if there's any science supporting either side. And not to say the science is right or wrong, but is there science, right? And how much is there saying what caused this thing and how do we fix this thing? So I think that uh, scientific studies are just really difficult because I know firsthand what it's like to be on a study, to like conduct a study. And I have seen with my own eyes some very shady tactics. Um, let's take off uh, these people, these outliers. We don't need them because we're trying to get more funding and they really want to see this or whatever. And I have, like, I don't want to say who or what or where, but I mean, it's just, if it happened where I could see it, I'm sure this is not an isolated event. So for me, when I see like somebody says, the study says this, I'm like, show me 10 studies that say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so in this case, in this, for this example, right? Like if you go to Google Scholar and type in genetic myopia and see, just even look at how many search results are there, right? And then see how far back studies go, how often they were cited. I know it's kind of a pain, but it's going to lead, you're going to spend half a day digging around, figuring out what has more supporting evidence versus figuring out, am I trusting this guy because I like his voice or because he has a fancy title? Like, for example, if you type pseudomyopia into Google Scholar, pseudo meaning not real, myopia, of course, nearsightedness, you're going to get tens of thousands of search results of studies showing that short-sightedness starts out as a muscle spasm. And, right, like tens of thousands going back 50 years. Because I'm totally with you, studies are dodgy in general. Somebody had to fund it. There's always a, who are we doing this for and what do we want the outcome to be, right? Like it's not, I'm not trusting any study blindly, but you're not going to find a lot of studies that support that myopia is genetic and you're going to find a lot that show that it starts out as a muscle spasm. And the second, just really short, if you type in lens-induced myopia into Google Scholar, so that means short-sightedness caused by glasses. You're going to get a ton of search results again, tens of thousands. And they, their studies, they show, they put lenses on fish. Don't ask me how, but they did. <laughs> uh, they did it with the birds, they did it with monkeys, and they did it with humans, showing that your eyesight gets worse from lens wear. So totally with you, one study, five study, a, certain, a small amount of studies, especially over a limited period of time, can be questionable, but these just go back again, like 50 plus years of showing where this thing comes from and how it works. So that's how you studies in general. I'm just like, how much evidence is there in either direction? And what are your thoughts on the metaverse type goggles, the VR goggles? What super is that awesome. Doing? Super great. <laughs> that's that's who no. we, we can't wait. Just turn over our life to Mark Zuckerberg and just, just let him have it. Um, I, I don't know, right? It's too early to tell. Like all that stuff is just starting. The problem with all the goggles is your eyes are just staring at a screen right in front of your face. The biology is not built that way. And I don't know how long you can wear those things realistically without some serious consequences to your eyesight. Again, too early to tell, but just from the biology and how the muscles tight and close up focus that cannot work out well. Yeah, I got maybe maybe 20 minutes tops where I can wear them without getting a migraine or feeling bad. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way that's going to turn out well. But I think it's all 
we live in a weird time. Like that's all going to transition to more advanced stuff. Not great for eyesight though. Mm. So why are glasses so expensive? Oh, because somebody has to make money, Cat, Come on. <laughs> get bills. <laughs> it's um so wholesale price for lenses. I have wholesale price sheets that the optometrist gets for every, not every, but most of the lens brands. And with all the coatings that they upsell you two to five dollars for a pair of lenses, excluding the frames, to the optometrist. And average profit margins are five thousand percent. There's a there was a really good article in LA Times. Um, some lens crafters, uh, senior management left and they told the whole stories of how lens crafters works. If you type into LA, uh, LA Times and, and lens crafters, you'll find the article. They talk all about the gigantic profit margins and how they'd sell glasses to anybody who walks in there. A lot of money. It's a hundred billion dollar year industry to sell people glasses. And why are they only available from with prescriptions? <laughs> so... Funny thing, if you buy reading glasses, you can buy those anywhere. And what I mentioned about the wholesale cost, you can buy reading glasses for 10 bucks. Walgreens, right? Like anywhere. Same thing. They do the same thing. They're, they change where light focuses in your eye, but they're not prescription, right? So the, the fact that their prescription protects the profit margin because now you can only buy them from people who all agreed to mark them up a similar amount. Right, so protects the profit margin. Millions of dollars were spent in lobbying to make them prescription. And it's just, it's not in all countries. The US is one of them. There's lots of countries, there's lots of countries I've been to where you can just buy glasses anywhere, any kind of glasses. The other thing is when you go into a shop to buy glasses and they tell you their prescriptions, you're less likely to question the prices and the practices because they call you a patient. The assumption is this is kind of some kind of medicine. So you're much more likely to accept whatever they put in front of you. And what can we do to stop getting bad eyesight? Are there any things? Yeah. Uh, the first thing I'd suggest, especially for parents, right? Because this is a problem that starts young and younger now because parents think that iPads might be good babysitters. Buy or print an eye chart. It's just like having a scale. It's just like doing blood panels, except it's super simple. You buy an eye chart, you hang it up somewhere in your house, measure out the distance because there's different, there's three meters, six meter, 20 feet, 10 feet charts. Measure out the distance, see what you can read on the chart as a baseline, right? Like what is it today? Compare it next month, two months from now, three months from now. It'll tell you, the chart will tell you if your eyesight's getting better or worse. It shouldn't be getting worse. I told this to people a lot when this whole COVID and lockdown stuff started because people complained about worse eyesight. Check the chart, right? And if you spend two hours in front of the computer, check the chart after the two hours. If you can't read the same line that you could before, you need to spend some time not looking at screens. It's the perfect way. Your muscle's stuck. That focusing muscle is stuck in close-up mode, so you can't read the chart at a distance. Spend however much time you need that you can read the same line as you could before you started working or look, playing with screens, just spend it away from close-up stuff. Whenever the chart's clear again, you can basically get back to screen work. Super easy way to tell and prevent your eyesight from getting worse without you noticing. Are there any other techniques to 
reverse maybe bad eyesight or any maybe supplements or other things we can do? Um, supplements are great for the people who sell them in general. If you have a deficiency, blood panels, right? Like find out if you have a deficiency, it affects other parts of your body. It's not going to be just your eyesight. Um, reversing myopia is fairly simple. And I'm saying that it's like it's like getting stronger going to the gym is fairly simple. It's It basically boils down to wearing slightly weaker glasses than you're doing today, right? So for example, if you have a minus five power adopters, you go to the smallest level of decrease you can. You go to minus 4.75. Your eyes will adjust to the small reduction over a period of three to four months. And you'll see the same as you could with a minus five. And then after three to four months, you can make that same very small reduction again, using an eye chart to see how much is my vision different than it was with the stronger glasses. On average, every three to four months, you can make a very small reduction till eventually you don't need any glasses anymore. Mm. And what are your thoughts on blue lights and those red um, glasses, red tinted glasses, and all those things? It's kind of like, you know, Coke Zero when that came out forever ago. It's <laughs> like McDonald's selling salads. It's people know instinctively that what they're doing is not great for them. Like everybody knows it's probably not a good idea to watch Netflix for five hours on your iPad. But you want a better answer than don't do this, right? Like you want a better answer than Coke is not good for you or McDonald's is not good for you or the screen's not good for you. So companies have come up to profit from us knowing this is not a great idea, but selling us a substitute product instead of making us just not do the thing that's not good for us. So that's kind of the long way to go. Light has an impact for sure. The blue light from, from screens isn't great, but really what's not great is the five hours we spend isolated by ourselves, not talking to everybody, anybody, every night staring at the screen can disrupt your circadian rhythm, can cause all kinds of issues. But the, the real problem is the screen. It's not the some small, small part of the light spectrum that's affecting your eyes more. So I generally recommend don't rely on the blue blocking glasses to be a substitute for less screen use. And do you have any thoughts on the flicker rate for screens? Yes. It, there are definitely screens that are worse for your eyes than others. And kind of easy to tell. You can buy a, a measuring tape and depending on how good or not good your eyes are, measure how far you can see. A book is better than a screen. How far you can see text clearly on a screen, right? And actually for the Flickr thing, just use different screens. Like try the screen that you're using compared to a book. If, if, this, if a different device makes things appear blurrier at the same distance, it's not great for you, right? So, for example, you hold a book, you have two diopters myopia, you take your glasses off. That means you can read the book at 50 centimeters clearly. Hold the measuring tape next to a screen and see if you can read the same text at the same distance. If you can't or if you get headaches from it, the refresh rate or the backlighting or other aspects of the screen, your eyes are not enjoying it. Right? Like, so the, the eyes give you direct feedback if the, the medium is not great. Mm. 
So I've had pretty much, in my opinion, perfect eyesight my whole life. But I have noticed, because I used to do photography, that my eyesight started getting worse later at night. Like throughout the day, it was okay. And then progressively, it was more blurry. And I attributed that to editing uh, photography like on the computer at night. And when I stopped doing that, I no longer got it. But I'm just thinking of people who don't know that this is the cause and they start freaking out. They can't see or they think they're getting macular degeneration or something. They go to the eye doctor and then they're slapped with a prescription. So one thing to do there, number one, nighttime, you might just be tired. So it's not maybe the perfect time to edit. But another common thing that people overlook is the ambient lighting. It can make a big difference. So if you're sitting next to uh, a window and you're getting natural daylight, you're going to have a much different experience than if you're in like artificial fluorescent lighting, right? So it could be, you could try the editing, the same process during the day or next to full spectrum minus the UV lighting and see if that affects your eyes the same way. Because a lot of times it's the light. It can also be food. You might be eating different food at night. You could just be tired, but moving that same process in a different space and different lighting is a good way to troubleshoot if it is a time of day thing or if it's a light thing or if it's something else. Another thing that I notice is prolonged driving. So if I'm driving to another state or something like that, I will be looking straight ahead, far ahead for hours and hours and hours. And by the end of it, everything gets blurry. So the it appears, right? Like this is this is theoretical, but it appears that the muscles that that focus your lens, they generally focus your lens for close-up use and they, they relax for distance vision. If you're balanced, if you're spending a lot of time in front of screens relative to your distance vision time, it's possible that those muscles are also used to flatten your lens for distance vision. And that doing that for extended periods of time might cause fatigue of those focusing muscles. Again, this is very theoretical. We keep running into this, like people that have a specific routine and they're fine, and then they go on vacation and they have less screen use and more distance use, and still the eyes feel more strained. And then we find if you just slowly move the balance of getting more distance vision time in general, you don't run into that same fatigue symptom, potentially possibly plenty other reasons but that's one that that comes up a lot the other thing i wanted to ask you is when you're um driving or like everybody wears sunglasses and then i found that my eyes because i was wearing sunglasses basically all throughout the day i live in miami it's very sunny out walking around you have your sunglasses on and then my eyes would have more trouble focusing when i'm indoors or in a darker um, situation. So I had to stop wearing sunglasses. I'm not saying don't wear sunglasses like when the sun is actually hitting you and you're driving or something because that's dangerous. But like just throughout the day where it's not a direct thing, my eyes felt so much better after I just kind of weaned myself off of sunglasses. So huh. anything to that that you think of? So this was the you you wearing the sunglasses outside and then you go indoors, you take them off and then your vision is worse? Yes, like they get more tired, more strained. Hmm, not sure about that one. 
in general, I recommend that you only wear sunglasses when you're squinting. Otherwise, that's a good way to tell if there's too much sun. There's lots of interesting stuff out there that UV light is actually beneficial, but not enough to where I'm like the science, right? Like the studies are clear, but it seems that some amount of UV is good for you. So I generally say I wear sunglasses whenever I'd squint otherwise. But why that specifically would make your your vision worse, I'm not sure. Well, I just like to experiment <laughs> because the way I think of it is why would you be born with a, like a disability that you need this contraption to correct? Like wouldn't, I don't know. I don't see animals with sunglasses. <laughs> it's just me. Because animals aren't cool. That's why. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it's, of course it's true. I think it's kind of a fine line, right? Because on one hand, the the overuse of trying to find some way to mitigate a symptom has become incredibly profitable and f- just used for everything. Can I eat a pill for this? Is there treatment for this? Do I, how do I not face the underlying problem, right? Quick fix. But on the other hand, we also, now that we realize that some of this is the case, we go really far in the opposite direction sometimes and we go, nature is the answer for everything, right? Like, on a super bright day near the beach where there's a ton of reflection from the water, sunglasses might be nice, right? Like there's definitely times where like sometimes I'm driving and it's just so bright that without sunglasses, maybe not even safe. So I'm kind of in the middle, right? Like sometimes some things are useful, but definitely not maybe as much as we use them. Yes, I completely agree because I don't see animals uh, driving towards the sun either. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, you got me. Yeah, and I also don't see them in like the hottest time of the day, like lounging on the beach. They're usually in the shade and they wait. Yeah, true. Maybe they're smarter. Huh? Yeah, we're just not as smart as they are. <laughs> Maybe that. So, what about farsightedness? Do you think that can also be reversed or helped? So different topic, and there's two kinds. That is, there is hyperopia that starts usually at a young age, um, just opposite of myopia where you can't see things up close. If it starts, I always say if your eyes started out fine and at some point you went to the optometrist and then you got corrective lenses and the numbers went up, then it's usually caused by the lenses or influenced by the lenses. Also with hyperopia, the fix appears to be similar, but not. we haven't explored that nearly as much because it's fairly uncommon compared to myopia. And then there's another kind that's called presbyopia, where you can't read things up close, but that starts in your 40s, 40s, 50s. And that's the lens in your eye hardens, and the muscle that shapes the lens has to work harder. And that's just kind of a age-related, possibly diet-related you don't necessarily need corrective lenses for it, but they're being sold to people. So in countries where where that's more readily available, more people wear reading glasses when they're older. And in countries where that's not as common, people tend not to and still be fine. So whenever people get into that age range where they say reading books, small text super up close is getting more challenging. I recommend not using reading glasses unless you really need them. Right. And that's that's so the answer for presbyopia is age related. We don't know of a fix. Try to resist overusing corrective lenses. 
and hyperopia, you can probably use the same things as myopia for for reducing lens dependence, but I don't have a lot of detailed approach answers for that. So I do have a personal story about hyperopia. My family, we have um, no vision issues until old age with uh, macular degeneration. But I went to, because I was told, because my my husband is like, I don't know, they're more into that stuff. Because I never went to an eye doctor growing up. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you don't have an eye infection, you don't go, you wait for a problem. But that's just how I grew up. So he grew up like you go to the doctor for like just checkups constantly. I don't know. I don't know. They like to be proactive or broke. I don't know. So we took our daughter and she was very young. She was at the age where she could kind of read some words, but she wasn't quite reading well. And they're just like, bring her, bring her. So I brought her in. She like they had the little E's or whatever on the thing and she could read those perfectly fine. And then they they did like the contraption on her eyes and she could read everything fine. Everything was great. But then they're like, Oh no, we looked into her eye and she has hyperopia farsightedness. And I'm just like, what? But she can read everything. He's like, no, no, no. It's cause you know, it's the shape and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay. And like, she needs glasses. And they showed me this scary thing. Like this is her prescription. I don't remember what it was, but this is her prescription and this is what she can see. And there's like a website. You can enter the prescription and see how blurry or whatever it is. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's terrible. How is she? surviving anyways so they gave her glasses we gave it to her to go to school she never wore them she just would like forget about them or whatever and then when she got older and she's able to talk she's like i can see perfectly fine i don't know why you gave me these things so then we took her for a second opinion and they're just like uh no she's fine so i worry about how many people don't get a second opinion. And I've read studies saying that only as little as 12% of first opinions match. I mean, will match the, the of second opinions will match the first one. So what are your thoughts? I always recommend second opinions. I'm a huge proponent of that. With what, the story you're telling, so the tricky thing is with developing eyes, I'm not as, as, firm on my stay away from the optometrist opinion because especially with kids especially with developmental things you want to make sure that they can see fine right like and if you can't see fine it's sometimes hard to tell because that's how you see right so it seems fine to you but maybe it isn't right and maybe for example if the child is hyperopic and can't read well i'm just saying as an example right you think it's fine but she can't read well she might fall behind in school, right? Or she might be, somebody might say, oh, maybe she's dyslexic. Maybe she's got, you know, reading difficulties. Maybe she's got learning disabilities, but actually she just can't read the stuff well. And I'm only saying that because I'm generally really strong on the side of don't get glasses. But with kids, I'm always saying, give it a chance. Yes, when somebody tells you this, go to somebody else. Behavioral optometrists sometimes are nice or pediatric optometrists or Go to a proper ophthalmologist who's a medical doctor. Don't tell them about your last experience. Just pretend there is no first opinion and see what they say, right? Just to see if something's going on. With something like this, if it was my kid, I would play with smaller stuff, right? Like if she can't read up close, if it's bigger, she'll still be able to see it. But if you make it small enough, 
it's going to be more challenging. So there's still ways to figure this out at home without necessarily having to go just on somebody else's opinion. But if you have to get more than one, and again, ideally, I always tell people, go to a place where they don't sell glasses, right? Like don't go to the shopping mall. If you walk in the shop and the first thing you see is a bunch of fashion frames, not the place because the risk of being sold something regardless is much higher than if you go to a place where the money they get is from the diagnosis, not from selling your product. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I've had situations with all sorts of doctors. Um, For example, I had migraines. They're like, oh, you need to, you have to fix your eyes or you need to get braces. The dentist wants to sell you braces. And like, oh, you don't understand. Here's a pamphlet. This, all these scary things about like your migraine is definitely caused by your teeth shifting. And then I realized it was just stress. And once I dealt with like the stress, the migraines go away. And then it wasn't the teeth at all. So I could have been in a worse situation, a loss of lots of money, maybe ruining, you know, my teeth just because somebody said this or the whole thing about the wisdom teeth. You have to remove your wisdom teeth. Well, then why am I born with them? Yeah. It's There's a lot of, I think, and I keep an open mind, but there's a lot of whenever you go see somebody who's trained in a specific area, they're going to look for problems in that area, right? doesn't mean they're right or wrong necessarily, but it's just if you go to an orthodontist, they're going to look at, they're going to conceive of your migraine in this, this fear of what they know. So you're going to be like, well, it's probably this because this is what I know about. And then you go to the next guy who's got a different specialization and they'll be like, well, it's probably some of this because the symptom reminds them of a thing that's known in their profession. But it is, it's super tricky, especially like I've had health issues where there were no clear answers and everybody I would go see would recommend me a thing that's specific to what they do. Yes. If all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. (laughs) That's a, yeah. So let's say someone has pretty good eyesight, but they want to keep it that way, especially in the modern world where everything is screen time and all that. Eye chart is the number one thing. Eye chart is like the scale. What I, what I said earlier is just see if you're going to see the same things you could see before. The second thing is distance vision is good for your eyes. It relaxes the ciliary muscle, the focusing muscle, and your eyes are naturally, back to the animals, meant to look at a distance much more than up close. The, the biological design of the eye is relaxed state during distance vision and tense state during close-up vision. So we're meant to, number one, we're not meant to look at the same distance for close-up distance for long periods of time. And then we're supposed to spend a lot more time at distance. And what I tell people all the time is if you don't have a hobby that tempts you away from screens, that involves distance vision, go find one, right? And it sounds weird and silly, but if you, there's anything that you really enjoy doing more than scrolling on Facebook that doesn't involve a screen, good for keeping your eyes working well. Other than sports, I can't think of anything. (laughs) Yeah, it, it kind of sports is a super easy answer, right? But yeah, like it's, I've had people come up with stuff like, you know, bird watching or I don't know if diving is sports, but any kind of thing that is, even if it's like social stuff, anything that is your eyes are spent more time looking at 
things that are further away than ideally 20 feet, you know, that you mm. enjoy doing on some level. Yeah. So maybe like a comedy club or a concert yeah, or t- people totally. watching. Yeah, absolutely. Just away from that close-up distance is all you need, where you're, where you're focused and looking at stuff that's happening in front of you, not very close. Mm. So where can everyone go to find more information? Website is endmyopia.org. Um, the, a tiny word of caution, this is a passion project. This is not my source of income. So there's lots of rants and humor and sarcasm. We have a pretty big online community. We've got a Facebook group that has 20 some odd thousand members. We have a forum that has 90 some thousand members. We've got a YouTube channel, lots of stuff, but it's a little bit of an exploring project. There's no five steps by my course kind of thing. You're going to be immersed in lots of biology and science and how things work and figuring out is probably, uh, you're going to spend a few weeks figuring out how glasses work, how they interact with your eyes and how to reduce your dependence on them. Mm. And is there anything else you would like to share with our audience before we have to go? If you're a parent with kids, iPads are not babysitters. That would be my, I get so much email. I, I'm, this did not happen 10 years ago. It was still not a big deal. Even five years ago, it wasn't that bad. But now every single day I get emails from parents with young children where they say they're squinty, they took them to the optometrist and they want to put glasses on five-year-olds and three-year-olds. And that's super tragic. I think it's really going to affect the child's development and upbringing and social experiences with other kids. And the number one issue is these super close-up devices are really, really not great for kids' eyes. TV distance is fine. iPad's no good. Mm, I agree. Well, again, thank you so much for your time and for sharing today. Thanks for having me, Kat. I appreciate it. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it, so go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5, for 15% off any of their single pack products and definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the show. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a five-star review. Learn more about the show and what I have to offer you at katkatibi.com. Consider being a part of the new Patreon where episodes are ad-free and you'll find extra bonus content. Send a voicemail question or email me. Check the show notes for more information. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard.
Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.